Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two of Never Have I Ever. Today, never have I ever been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. So for those of you who might be unfamiliar with the significance of May to those who are <laughs> mentally ill, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and I am so excited to get to sit down and share my story with you guys. Now, that being said, I did want to say three quick disclaimers. First of all, I am not a licensed mental health counselor, I am not a psychiatrist, and ultimately, I am not a mental health professional. I am simply a woman, a human being, a force in my in this lifetime who happens to be struggling with their mental health and wanted to talk about it a little bit with you guys who might be feeling super isolated with your mental health right now and who might be feeling like your experiences have ostracized you from your friends, your family, and ultimately your community. So second disclaimer, please interpret everything I say with your own judgment and use that judgment to determine whether or not my examples, my practices, my stories are A, applicable to your life and B, would be a positive force in your life or in other words, make some kind of good change or good difference to whatever you're going through right now. And third, as I said earlier, I really just want to sit down and talk to you guys and I'm going to be honest, sometimes I'm going to omit certain details because I'm not ready to discuss that aspect of my experience yet. So if a story might be missing a chunk, that chunk is still being processed by me and my, thank God, therapist. So we're working through that and when I'm ready to share that with you guys, I would be more than happy, I will be more than happy to sit down and discuss it. So with that being said, let's jump right in. Okay, so guys, never have I ever been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Um, for those of you who are unfamiliar with what bipolar disorder is, I, again, independent research, am going to go ahead and define it for you. So what is bipolar disorder? Well, it's also known as manic depression and is a mental illness that brings severe high and low moods and changes in sleep, energy, thinking, and behavior. It's believed to be caused by a combination of genetic stress and a person's brain structure and function. That source was taken from a combination of WebMD and NAMI, which is the National Alliance on Mental Illnesses websites. So bipolar disorder also has three different types. There's bipolar one, bipolar two, and cyclomania. So think of cyclomania as like the baby of bipolar disorder. Cyclomania is characterized by having hypomanic and depressive symptoms that last for at least two years, but don't meet the diagnostic requirement for hypomanic and depressive episodes. Now, step it up a level. Bipolar 2 is characterized by having depressive episodes and hypomanic episodes instead of manic episodes. And step it up to one more, we've got our winner right here. Bipolar 1 is characterized by experiencing depressive episodes that last for at least two weeks, having manic episodes that either last seven days or are so severe they require hospitalization, and episodes of mixed states, which is when you're manic and depressive at the same time. <sighs> so, what are manic and depressive episodes? Well, a manic episode is a sustained period of abnormally elevated or irritable mood 
intense energy, racing thoughts, and other extreme and exaggerated behaviors. When manic people um, go into a manic episode, we can experience psychosis, which involves delusions, hallucinations, and extreme dissociation. On the flip side, we have something called a depressive episode, which lasts for about two weeks, and people experience them by having a depressed mood, loss of interest, suicidal ideation, decreased or increased appetite, appetite, oof, butchered that one, appetite, insomnia or hypersomnia, psychomotor agitation or psychomotor um, slowing, fatigue, feelings of worthlessness and or guilt, and trouble concentrating and or making decisions. And again, for those last two questions, what are the three types of bipolar disorder? What are manic and depressive episodes? The research was a combination of NIMH, which is a government website on mental health, and VeryWellMind.com, which is a really great website I found as a resource of understanding my bipolar disorder and kind of the general um, explanation of what it is and how it can affect someone. So how many people in the U.S. have bipolar disorder? At least 4.4% of adults will experience it in their lifetime. Again, that comes from NIMH, government website. And my last question before we really jump into things, is bipolar disorder treatable? Well, we usually pursue treatment that involves psychotherapy, medication, self-management strategies, i.e. when you recognize and address early symptoms, and holistic health treatments like meditation, exercising, etc. And that last resource was from NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness. <laughs> so, now that you have an idea of what bipolar disorder is, I'm going to talk about my experience with bipolar disorder. So my current diagnosis is bipolar one. And for any of my friends, I'm sure they can say, oh my God, if I have ever had a bipolar friend, Ariella is a shiny example. Guys, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. My mental illness really messes with my head sometimes. So, <laughs> I guess we can really trace the origins of my symptoms back to childhood, adolescence, um, teenage years, so many different times in my life where I felt really confused about why I was acting a certain way. So as a kid, I was obsessed with being in control. I was obsessed with order and I used to explore load when I dealt with any emotions that weren't immediately processed. So a great example of this is I grew up horseback riding, right? So whenever I practice, I would practice until my horse and I were basically on the verge of just capping for the entire lesson. I would be obsessed with cleaning my saddle, with keeping my horse clean, because I felt like that was the area of my life in which I had control my mood, my thoughts, my mind racing at a thousand miles per hour? Absolutely not. I always felt out of control over my mental health. And I think the moment where I realized I was <laughs> a little bit different than all of my friends is when I must have been in, God, fifth grade. And I think it was in our sex ed class. And we were talking about periods and uh, fluctuations and like body weight, things like that. And I remember raising my hand and I asked my teacher, I went, well, if you already experience like pretty intense mood swings, will your period make them worse? And the entire class laughed and she laughed and she went, yeah, probably. Okay, guys, 
put this into perspective. I was in fifth grade. So what was I like? 11, 12, 12-ish, I want to say. Um, I was in fifth grade and I was already asking about if my mood swings would become even more intense than they already were. So that was kind of red flag number one. Again, in retrospect, I can recognize that because hindsight is always twenty twenty, and really tends to uh, bite you in the ass when you're <laughs> thinking back on where your mental health first started manifesting. So fifth grade is when I myself noticed that my mood just swung all the time. Uh, middle school is just a weird mess of hormones and ugh, bad character, terrible decisions. So I'm just going to just go ahead and chuck those couple years of my life out because honestly, I retained little to nothing from that experience regarding how it impacted my mental health. Now, high school is where things start to get really interesting. So throughout high school, I would kind of experience cyclomania and I would be super, super happy sometimes and really manic. And then I would be really, really sad and tired and have no motivation. But because I grew up like that and because the community I was in always saw me like that, everyone just thought it was one of Ariella's many idiosyncrasies. Uh, for example, in my junior year of high school, I remember two, actually three, no, make that four experiences that really helped me um, begin my journey of healing and begin my journey of mental health awareness. The first one was when, uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm sorry guys, I can't help but laugh because I find this incredibly <laughs> funny. Okay, so the first one was when I was in my data analysis class and I think I had gone to before hours to talk to my teacher and I just remember talking at a thousand miles per hour, being super excited about data analysis, bouncing back and forth between different topics and oh my gosh, I couldn't even follow the conversation I was in. All I knew was I had to keep speaking and word vomiting because that's the only way I could help calm this tidal wave of emotions and thoughts and feelings that was just racing inside of me. And I remember my teacher looking at me and stopping me and being like, hey, are are you okay? Um, you seem a little bit off today. Is, is there something I should be concerned about? And I'm sure, as I usually do when people demonstrate any kind of concern for me that I'm not ready to actually address, I probably laughed and I think I just brushed him off and said, oh, I haven't gotten a lot of sleep and I had a lot of coffee this morning. Total cap. Guys, I don't even drink coffee. But he bought the excuse and I went on with my day. So that was one. The second one was in my neuroscience class. And at the time, I really liked to ask a lot of questions about cocaine. Just going to be honest. I found it super interesting. I thought it was super interesting how it affected your brain. And I was asking very, very specific questions. For instance, I asked my teacher, is there a way you could approximate like a dose to your body weight ratio? And after that question, again, that curtailed many other questions, he pulled me aside after class and he was like, hey, <laughs> just checking in on you. Um, is, there, is there something you want to tell me? 
Is there something you're struggling with? Because, you know, you ask a lot of questions about cocaine and you're very energetic in class. And I, again, laughed it off, brushed it off and just said, no, Dr. Lieb, I'm just super interested in learning about how this specific drug affects your mind. And honest to God, I really was, but it almost became a way for me to understand different parts of myself because uh, we talked about like how it affected certain neuroreceptors and how it affected your behavior and all of these different things. And some of the symptoms, no, I do not have a cocaine problem, but some of the symptoms we would talk about lined up with the behaviors I experienced through cyclomania and bipolar two. So that was the second experience. The third experience was my psychology class. And before the class had started, my teacher said, hey, listen, we're gonna be talking about a lot of different mental health disorders. You guys are gonna identify with some things, don't self-diagnose, odds are you aren't whatever we're talking about. And you know, that proved true. I was like, okay, depression, yeah, it's something I kind of deal with. Then I was like, okay, anxiety, yeah. And I was like, borderline personality disorder, no, not so much. Schizophrenia, no, not so much. Bipolar disorder, and it was kind of like the alarm bells went off in my head because I remember her presenting and she would be like, hypomanic episodes, you're super energized and make a thousand checklists and move at a thousand miles per hour and you never want to stop talking. And I was like, oop, <laughs> that's something I do. And then I remember her going, and at other times you just feel so depressed and unmotivated. You can hardly get out of bed and you don't want to talk to anybody and you end up isolating yourself. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that is also something I do. So combining those three experiences together, by the time I hit God at least seconds semester of my junior year. I went ahead and saw my school counselor, Mrs. Cusson, who is actually my dear friend Kelly's mother. So I remember going into her office and being like, hey, Mrs. Cusson, um, I think I might have bipolar disorder. And she sat me down and was like, okay, well, why do you think that? And after multiple sessions and kind of going into some of the trauma and my behaviors and just why I felt so out of control all of the time, she was like, yeah, I think you definitely have bipolar disorder and you should look into seeing a therapist and a psychiatrist. And unfortunately, I, I actually, no, fortunately, I loved the advice. Unfortunately, I didn't implement it whatsoever. I think I went to one or two or maybe three therapy appointments max just because we would talk about stuff and at the time I was living at home and a lot of the things I was addressing were things I was struggling with and I just really wasn't ready to dive into all of that mess is what it seemed like to me all of the messy aspects of my life that will get even messier when I'm trying to analyze them while rolling in my own filth is one way of putting it so I didn't really get much help in high school and by the time I hit college, oh my, not oh my god, we're not on that episode, we will get to a hot girl summer episode, I promise, oh my god, thank the non-denominational divine that I took it upon myself to go to the counseling center because <laughs> I just remember being like, yeah, I, I don't know why I'm acting so 
scattered, why my mood keeps changing, while why I'm going through these periods, I'll, I'll go ahead and give you guys an example of my day. And this is going to be a trigger warning. I will be talking about self-harm. So if you are not in a place to hear about self-harm without wanting to relapse to it, or if you're not in a place of being able to hear, uh, hear about self-harm, period, please go ahead and skip the next few minutes. But um, in college, especially my freshman year, I really, really started cutting pretty badly. And it kind of got caught up in this problematic coping <laughs> coping strategies routine to where I would wake up in the morning, I would have a ton of energy, I'd go to my sociology class. Right after that, towards the very end, I would start dissociating. And for those of you who don't know what dissociation is, I'm going to go ahead and look it up and define it for you guys so you can kind of keep track with what I'm saying. But it's when you experience a disconnection and a lack of continuity between thoughts, memories, surroundings, actions, and identity. And we tend to escape reality in ways that are involuntary and unhealthy and really cause problems with functioning in everyday life. And that is a little tidbit from Mayo Clinic. Also, if you guys would really be interested in me posting all of these resources to a blog, please go ahead and DM me or I guess uh, swipe up on my story on Snapchat and let me know. So that aside, let's get back into the self-harmy element of my bipolar disorder. So average day, again, wake up, go to class, tons of energy, right after class, start dissociating really heavily, not really being able to be aware of my surroundings, getting super exhausted from it, go upstairs to the fourth floor of the library, crash, wake back up, go to class, do all my homework, have a ton of energy, go through my day. Then at night, I would either go and hook up with somebody or I would go and sit in the park for hours and hours and just write, uh, write, 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 and write some more. And at the time, I was really into poetry. So if I can find my journal, um, if I ever do a follow-up episode on this, I will read some of those passages to you guys. But I would go write, 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 write. And usually, unfortunately, in that gap between schoolwork or hooking up and actually going outside and writing, I would just start self-harming like crazy. My roommate and I used to joke that our room was called the depression hole because every time one of us was depressed, it would just become a really dark space where it felt heavy and had a lot of negative energy and you get in there and feel exhausted and being bipolar and particularly struggling with mixed state episodes I would again I mean you guys see my day go from being hypomanic to super depressed and sometimes all of those emotions would just bubble up inside of me and talking to people wouldn't fix it and writing about it wouldn't fix it so I would go in the bathroom and Unfortunately, my razor would fix it and I would sit there and cut and cut and cut for a good 15 to 20 minutes and unfortunately this routine became weekly and then it started becoming daily and once it hit the daily aspect I was like oh my god I really do need to go get some help so I would sit in the bathroom and I would just be slicing and dicing honestly it was like my leg was a cutting board and I really just had fun chopping it so I just sat there and self-harmed and I would just be like crying while I was doing it. But unfortunately, for those of you who are familiar with self-harm and for those of you who are unfamiliar, 
Um, Self-harm often releases endorphins and gives me like a serotonin boost. And that turns into masochism, which is essentially where you enjoy hurting yourself. So self-harm became similar to dissociation was almost my mind escaping. And self-harm was my way of physically manifesting that escape. So I would go in the bathroom and I'd self-harm. And after doing that for a while and after having people who are close in my life be like, hey, I'm really worried about you. I saw your cuts. Rookie mistakes. I was cutting on my um, knuckles because it felt the best. It's thin. And my skin is really thin there, so it hurt a lot, and I could pick at it, but it didn't bleed a lot, which was nice. So I was, at the time, I'd be cutting on my hand. I was cutting on my upper arm. Rookie mistake <laughs> is what I learned, and unfortunately, instead of stopping, sometimes I would just become more and more secretive with where I was cutting. So for those of you who have skipped this segment to skip the self-harm part because it might be triggering, you're good to go ahead and start um, tuning in again right now. So after that experience, I went to App State's Counseling Center. The secretaries who work there, the people who conduct your initial consultation to basically figure out what the hell is wrong with you are absolute angels. I adore all of you. Thank you so, so much. I really appreciate your help. So I went into the counseling center, had my initial consultation, immediately started therapy soon after that. And, you know, I worked with a therapist. She was okay. We didn't really click, but it was someone for me to talk to who wasn't in my personal life, who I didn't really feel judged by. So talking to someone helped. And for those of you who are feeling isolated and lost and alone and are going through this horrible moment of self-ostracization, please go reach out to a counseling center at your college, reach out to a therapist in your community, reach out to anybody you trust and just start talking about it, guys. That is really the first step. So after I started speaking with the counselor, the counselor and I were both like, oh my God, you, yeah, you need to get your ass on medication because this, this is not just fixable through psychoanalysis. So I headed over to the Mood Treatment Center. We have one in Boone and I've had mixed feelings working with them, but they ultimately have really helped me get to a healthier place. So I went in, started seeing this fabulous nurse practitioner named Erica. I can't say enough good things about her. She was sweet and bubbly and just willing to sit there and listen to me and then obviously prescribed me medication. So with my medication journey, oh my God, I was just on so many different things, trying mood stabilizers and antidepressants and trying different benzos and... <laughs> Oh my God, my story with benzos, I'm going to save for an episode all on its own because honestly, it really deserves it. But started trying different benzos and just really trying to patch my brain together chemically, just as how I was trying to patch my brain together emotionally. So started on medication and it helped a little bit, but for any of those uh, for any of you who struggle with mental health and are on meds, you definitely understand what I mean by saying it takes a hot minute to be able to find a combination of meds that's good for you. So that was pretty much my fall semester, just very chaotic. And my spring semester was a little less chaotic because I started slowly figuring out my medication, kind of cut back a little bit, no pun intended, on the self-harm, but found myself in this really deep depressive spiral. And COVID, I can't believe I would ever hear myself say this or say someone else say this, and I'm sure most of you will be shocked when I say this, but 
COVID honestly saved my life because my depression was so bad. I didn't have any motivation to go to, I didn't really want to do any work, but I'd force myself to do it because I'm GPA obsessed, but I didn't really have any motivation to do anything. I felt myself like withdrawing from some of my relationships, or if I wasn't withdrawing, I was oversharing because I couldn't find that right balance between Um, having a friend be your support system and having your friend be your therapist and the two are very different and luckily I've been fortunate enough within the past few months to get closer to a place where I feel like I'm achieving that balance but at the time I didn't have it and my nurse practitioner Eric and I were talking about potentially medically withdrawing from school for the semester and Ah, God, right as I was really ready to sit down and get with my counselor and sign the paperwork, COVID hit and we went home. And even though home has presented its fair share of problems, at the time it was an escape for me. And it provided me with a safe space where I could just relax and not be in a college atmosphere where I wanted to like do drugs and drink a lot and party all the time to escape all of the mental health issues I was facing. So going home was amazing. Having my classes online, with the exception of my microeconomics class, hated that class. Horrible to learn online. Hated it. Almost made me drop my econ major. But that class aside, it was amazing because I finally had room to breathe and to think and to reflect and ultimately to grow. And luckily by May, my, um, by May, Erica and I had figured out my medication. So I went on to about 300 milligrams of Wellbutrin and I started taking about 200 milligrams of quintiapine. Wellbutrin is an antidepressant. Quintiapine, don't freak out when I say this word, is an antipsychotic. Guys, get over it plenty of people are on antipsychotics. It doesn't mean we are absolutely crazy. It means we just (laughs) need a really good medication to help our thought process just self-regulate a little bit more, I think is a really good way of putting it. So went on this amazing dynamic duo of medications, which I'm still currently on to this day. And I just really began to feel like I was getting to a healthy place where I felt a little bit more stable, where I felt like I was finding a balance in my life, where I felt like the chaos was a manageable chaos, a tamed chaos, if you will, not an uncontrollable, scary, terrifying kind of chaos. So that was pretty much my summer. By the time I got back to App in the fall, I was doing pretty well. But unfortunately, like I think so many people who have bipolar disorder, I went from doing pretty well to doing absolutely horribly. I found myself by October, that was definitely my first major mental breakdown of the semester. I, (laughs) what triggered it was when my parents took my truck and again, loved this truck, had a lot of really good memories, a lot of (laughs) amazing experiences. And ultimately that truck was a vehicle, right? And we use vehicles to drive. And when we drive, we're going from one place to another place. So often I would use that truck as a form of escape going from my dark place to a place where I felt a little bit lighter, a little bit um, safer, a place where I could sit down and self-reflect and often that was just pulling over on a back road in Boone one night and just sitting and looking at the stars and listening to Tame Impala. And as you can 
assume having that vehicle being taken away was essentially having my one outlet that up until that point I heavily relied on taken away from me and I did not know how to cope with that so I slipped into my old coping mechanisms which were self-harm and drugs for those of you who need a trigger warning I'm going to go and say it right now I'm about to start talking about drug use and self-harm go ahead and skip this part and keep fast forwarding until you hear me say for those of you who would be triggered by what I was saying this is a safe place for you to pick back up so let's get into it Um, I decided to go ahead and just take a handful of lorazepam, which is the medication I was on. I think I took about six of those and I took a Xanax and by the time I had combined all of those in my system, I was just so, so messed up. I remember sitting in my room and I literally had blacked out. So I took enough medication to literally make myself unconscious. And I sat down immediately, blacked out, fell over to the side, woke up the next day, thought I had just taken a five minute nap, got back up, walked back out into my living room. Everything was kind of the same as I remembered it the day before, except my friend was there with her dog. And Jazz, absolutely love you, absolutely adore Max, that's her dog. I remember being like, what the hell are you doing here? And she was like, what do you mean? What am I doing here? I dropped Max off for you to watch and you were taking a nap. And I was like, it's Wednesday. It's not Thursday. Why are you here? And she goes, no, it's Thursday. And I think my um, roommate at the time and her boyfriend were in there. And they were also like, it's Thursday. Literally pull up your phone and look. And lo and behold, it was. And I was like, oh my God this is not good. So anyways, I was pretty barred out for the rest of the day. I probably took some more and was, you know, in and out of reality, um, (laughs) self-dissociation of sorts. And I started self-harming again that night. And I just remember sitting there and I had switched from um, a razor to a knife because at that point the razors felt like little cat scratches. They weren't really doing anything. But the knife, I felt it. I felt it pull at my skin. I felt... Um, the pressure, I felt the ripping sensation, I could see the blood running, like everything was just taken up a level and suddenly I find myself, (laughs) ironically enough, upgrading from a lower level of self-harm to a very intense, emotionally distraught, even more visible level of self-harm where I felt like I was finally masochistic enough to pour the pain I was feeling inside outside onto my body and after god I must have been there for at least a half hour and I was just again slicing and dicing the leg was a cutting board baby and by the time I'd finished that I was like okay I remember dropping the knife and I was like okay okay I can't be in this apartment I can't be in this bathroom I can't be in my bedroom I can't be in this living room I can't be by my pills I can't be by this knife I need to get the hell out of here so luckily I lived near to the health sciences building which for those of you in Boone you know is very close to the Watauga Medical Center for those of you who don't live in Boone it's maybe about like a five minute ten minute max walk and I remember it was nighttime and I walked over there and I checked myself in and I was like I'm here for self-harm and I I just need help it was a safe space where I had somebody watching me and honestly it was good and to give you guys an idea of how low I was 
I literally was in a hospital room, you know, they're running this blood test, blah, 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 X, Y, Z. And they brought a food tray in. And on this food tray, there was a plastic fork and a plastic knife. And there was a woman directly outside. I was in the psych ward, of course, because obviously I was having, uh, I was having my first mental breakdown, psychotic break, call it whatever you want. I was in a bad place and they knew that. And uh, there were these big windows and this woman was sitting outside of them just scribbling notes about me and what I was doing, their general observations. <laughs> and I remember picking up the knife and looking at her and trying not to be obvious, but I was like, damn, I really want to keep cutting. This knife would be perfect for cutting. And thank God she was there because if she wasn't, I would have gone right back to cutting and I probably wouldn't have stopped until I was in even an even worse place physically and emotionally. So ended up calling my best friend, convinced them to let me go home from the hospital, and I slept it off. That was pretty much the first breakdown. So that was in October. Started recovering for it. I from it. I was doing a little bit better, feeling stronger. November hit. Again, family can be a really big stressor for me at times. So the idea of going home and seeing all these people and having all these conversations I wasn't really ready for wasn't something I wanted to do. So I ended up pissing off everyone by skipping Thanksgiving, spending it with my friends, which was ultimately... I'm sorry for my family members listening to this. The best decision for me because I was not in a stable enough mental place to be able to sit down with you guys and talk about how my semester had been going. But being with my friends and being in a low stress environment really enabled me to just enjoy my Thanksgiving break. And at the time, I'd also gotten my dog. And by getting my dog, I was essentially just throwing away any intention I had with going to Thanksgiving because he's too big to really take on a plane um, without him having to be crated. And God knows this dog has, he's a rescue, D.B. Cooper. I absolutely adore him. Yes, he has the same name, that's Plane Hijacker. Has honestly, the dog, not the Plane Hijacker, saved my life at times. And he really saved me then. So I'll get more into the importance of an ESA later, but having db kept me at home and having that extra responsibility enabled me to stay grounded in a way i hadn't experienced up until then so that was november december was pretty good i'd gone home i was relaxing really enjoying my environment and then january hit i came back to school i had all this freedom again and guys i went nuts january was Whew, definitely the pinnacle of my one of the pinnacles of my mania for um the spring semester over winter break in december like right around when i was coming out of covid i went into my first and honestly one of my longest in not my first manic episode let me reword that it was my longest manic episode i had been to to date so I started in December, I was spending a lot of money, I came back to school, I was making a lot of really poor choices, and I'll go ahead and read you guys an assignment I had to do for one of my classes. This was my theater class, so happy I took it. Autoethnographic theater, um, for those of you at App, really a great class to heal in because you do so much self-reflection. So here's the monologue slash journal entry I wrote. Hey journal, it's me. According to my therapist, I should be productive when I'm manic instead of jumping off the deep end. 
Thus, I'm turning back to bullet journaling because I really need to seem like I'm making progress or else it's more hospital socks for me. True as hell. I knew if I told my therapist I wasn't doing jack, she was going to shit my ass. Well, she wouldn't shit my ass back there because she trusted me, but she was going to very strongly suggest self-hospitalization. So, anyways, January has been eventful to say the least here's a list of my top six moments one of these i'm going to omit because i'm still processing it so i'm going to skip it but one i was in a manic episode for a month and a half two i spent over six hundred dollars on unnecessary expenses such as shoes clothes mani pedis you know all the little things i do to spoil myself but really i'm just instigating the hell out of my mania Three, I partied so hard I blacked out for a week and didn't get to experience the full effects of my poor decision making. I'm still really heartbroken over that one. (laughs) Four, I'm going to go ahead and skip that one. Five, I nearly overdosed. And as great as being in my quiet place was, I'm not particularly interested in dying right now. Plus, mixing pharmaceuticals with alcohol just feels like a desperate cry for attention. The same attention that sneers and judges and turns its back on the people who need it the most. (laughs) And six, and perhaps the most dramatic of all, I developed a newfound sense of self-awareness that questions my poor choices. Unfortunately, this also led to the realization that you choose to change because change doesn't change you. But even though I was in a manic episode for a month and a half, spent over $600 on unnecessary expenses, blacked out for a week, beep, and nearly overdosed, I'm not sure if I really want to change. After all, losing your identity and god complex to the same mood stabilizer is just a, <laughs> such a half-assed way of re-entering reality. And scene. Guys, every moment I talked about and the moment I omitted were all things that happened. One of the first times I was close to overdosing, I had... I had taken a lot of Xanax, I had mixed it with a lot of other substances, and at one point I remember not being able to see around me, I looked at my hands and they were changing sizes, so instead of drinking water, I went ahead and had a sip of water and did some simulants and I was like right back up to where I was. So that was a really dark night and that was probably the point where i was like okay i really need to take a step back from myself and my actions right now everything i said happened and it was a really really hard month for me mental health wise because i was finding substance after event after scenario after person after whatever the hell it was to escape everything I was feeling and to avoid actually processing and having to deal with my emotions. So that was January. The rest of the spring semester was full of a lot of highs and lows. For those of you who are my friends, you probably check out at that because I always ask you guys what your highs and lows are for the end of the week, but it was a lot of highs and lows. And again, I came really close to overdosing a couple more times. And then I had this really hard weekend emotionally 
actually that was two weekends ago which is why I didn't release an episode between the first one and this one because I was not in a good space to talk about that and I'm still really not in the best place to talk about that so that was a hard weekend and after it I was like I'm so sick of letting everything and everyone affect how I feel not only about myself but just how I feel in general sad happy depressed manic what Ever it was I was sick of it so started my road to recovery with substance abuse I flushed all of my pills and am clean right now I'm so proud of myself because this is the longest I've been sober from pills for in oh my god like at least three or four months so I'm really happy with where I'm at right now that was my spring semester over the summer I'm hoping that having time away from classes for the first part, having time to relax and focus on this podcast and a few other projects I will have going will give me the space to heal, the time to heal, and a goal where I want to go with my mental health and from that goal and wanting to achieve it, growth, which is ultimately the journey I'm on right now. So yeah, that's pretty much an overview of my experience with bipolar disorder. Before I give those of you waiting for the okay regarding self-harm and substance abuse, I just want to say I've been clean, like I said earlier, and I have not self-harmed in god at least a few months so yay me i'm so proud of myself and honestly listen to this that was an audible pat on the back because that is what i just gave myself and thank you god complex for giving me the strength and the power to overcome all uh, all of those temptations that i've been struggling with over the past couple of years all right for those of you who are waiting for the trigger warning to end you are now good to tune back into the podcast anyways guys that has been my experience with bipolar disorder so for those of you who are struggling with your mental health and for those of you who are getting to a really 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 dark place i just wanted to plug a few resources so first of all at app state we do have our counseling center as i said earlier I've worked with some really great people there who gave me a safe space to talk about what I've been going through. And that, at the end of the day, I think is what matters the most and what is one of the biggest steps to recovery is just talking about it. Because, guys, let's face it, talking about it makes it real. And to deal with any of your problems, you have to accept that that's your reality that those problems are real and they're affecting you your life your relationships i cannot even express how many relationships i have lost over the past year because of my journey with all of my different mental health issues and because i wasn't in a place where i could communicate that i was struggling with people because of either my pride and my delusion of self-control and unfortunately the two things that fell mercy to that were my personal relationships with people so for those of you who are listening to this podcast that i've heard i apologize i apologize for hurting you i apologize for being in a place that prevented me from 
talking to you and expressing to you what I was going through and I apologize that it took me this long to be able to say it and please don't confuse this again thanks god complex i'm not saying i'm a bad person i'm a good person but like any good person i have my struggles and i go through things and sometimes i have to push everybody away because the only way i can go through that is to go through it alone and that was the mentality i was in when i was hurting all of you guys when i was pushing you away when i was just not a good friend, not a good roommate, not a good sister, not a good daughter, not a good partner to any of the women I was seeing. So I apologize for not being any of those things, but I don't apologize for going on this journey because as horrible as it sounds, by losing you, I really found my values and I found a place where I know, I know it's my job to communicate how I'm feeling for both the ben benefit of myself and others. So focusing on that last part, the benefit of myself and others, um, for those of you who are struggling with your mental health, I just want to plug a few resources. First, for all my App State listeners, please reach out to the Counseling Center. Their hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Their initial consultation hours are Monday through Friday, 8.30 to 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. to 4 p.m. Those hours might vary during the summer, so if you're interested in either of those potential resources, having an initial consultation and then going to therapy, go ahead and contact them at 828-262-3180. Again, 828-262-3180 to ask about setting up an initial consultation. And if you are as fortunate as I was, you will get to work with this fabulous man named Logan. Logan, if you end up listening to this, I have appreciated your help so much. Thank you for helping get my life back on track. So if you're not necessarily in a place to start therapy, but you're in a pretty nasty spiral of self-isolation and feeling like you can't talk to anybody and trigger warning real quick, suicidal ideation, please contact the counseling center at 828-262-310 and select the option to speak with the counseling center on call. That is an after hours emergency coverage hotline for urgent mental health concerns such as suicidal thoughts, sexual assault, and other trauma. End of trigger warning. Now, for those of you who might not be my App State listeners or who aren't necessarily in a place to reach out to the school, there is, quick trigger warning, another national suicide prevention hotline from suicidepreventionlifeline.org and the number is 800-273-8255. Again, 800-273-8255. It's available 24 hours a day and the languages are English and Spanish. So please, please, please contact them if you're in a really dark place and you just need to talk to someone who will keep you from just literally going off of the edge and offing yourself in the process so again that was 800-273-8255 end of trigger warning those are two resources i would highly recommend 
for any of my listeners who aren't necessarily either A, attending App State, or B, interested in pursuing therapy through the school, which by the way, therapy through the school is free and you get one session basically every two weeks for an entire semester. Again, really recommend it for those of us who just need a foot in the door. But for those of you who are a little bit uncomfortable with pursuing therapy at school, give your insurance provider a little ring-a-ding-ding, call them, wait for them to pick up, and when they answer, just tell them, hey, I'm struggling with my mental health. I need the number and I need a packet and I ultimately need resources for therapists in X area and psychiatrists if you do pursue to go the medication route, which you will need a referral from a therapist to do. But if you just kind of want to pre-prep and have those resources together, tell them that you want numbers for therapists and psychiatrists in your area. And last time I spoke to my provider, he again was absolutely wonderful and walked me through the entire process of applying my insurance to these different places, gave me a whole PDF of resources of therapists and psychiatrists who were in a decent radius of the Boone area, i.e. like a radius within, I'd say, an hour max. So thanks again, Blue Cross Blue Shield, not sponsored by them, probably never going to be sponsored by them, but you did help me find those resources, so thanks. So I know I just plugged some resources. I also want to mention one other idea. Like I said, D.B. Cooper, my wonderful two-year-old blue tick hound who honestly feels like my son and we really do have the relationship of a mother and son. All of my friends sometimes will just like gently poke fun at me for that because I literally will call him my son and be like, oh my god, I cannot deal with my kid today because he's like that to me. He's a responsibility and he's chosen family he's literally an animal that I chose to bring into my life that I absolutely adore and who has kept me from making even poorer decisions than I already have made in the past so talk to your therapist and ask them about getting an ESA having another responsibility might be too much for you right now totally understandable but on the flip side might be exactly what you need to help you process your emotions, work through your mental health struggles, and push you to grow and get to a place where you feel like you can almost stand independently of your ESA while simultaneously being dependent on them as a fallback support system instead of finding them as that immediate support system. And that's kind of the place I'm getting towards, but as of right now, DB is one of my immediate support systems. And guys, I wasn't even a huge dog person. I really didn't even think I'd get a dog, to be quite honest with you. But like I said, DB is chosen family. He's my son, he's my dog, and he's my responsibility. And sometimes we just need something to hold and pet and love and sometimes we just need a friendly face that has no back talk I mean yeah he bays occasionally and I'm like okay someone's feeling a little bit vocal today but has no back talk that can hurt you in any way and someone something that's non-judgmental and honestly someone slash something that you can come home to and is overjoyed to see me he runs up to me he he'll sometimes he'll jump on me his tail will be wagging a thousand miles per hour and 
having a friendly face to see when you walk in through the door after a long, exhausting day where you feel absolutely drained and you feel like your mental health and your sanity are literally on the thinnest ice possible, i.e. if you take one more step, you're going to fall right through and plunge into the deep end. Having him here is life a, like a lifeline for me. Anytime I feel myself getting to that point, I come home, I see my dog, and he brings me right back to where I need to be and helps me heal and has helped me heal in ways I don't think I could have otherwise. So yeah, guys, those are my biggest three resources. Check out App State Counseling Center's website if you feel like you need immediate help, 800-273-8255. That's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline call your insurance provider and once you get into therapy potentially bring up the possibility of having an ESA he's really helped me out and I think that you guys could also benefit from having an animal around wow guys that was a really long episode sorry if I seemed a little bit rambly occasionally I was really just sharing my mental health experience with you guys and I hope you enjoyed listening to my journey I hope those of you who are struggling right now can kind of gain some inspiration from that and can reach out to some of the resources I've plugged to find help um, in your own way on your own schedule at times in your life that are right for you And for people who maybe don't struggle with any of these issues at all, thanks for being a willing listener and thank you for using this podcast as a way to empathize with those of us who do. So thank you guys so, so much for your support of my podcast today. I am sending positive energy your way for the next week. The goddesses are smiling down upon us as I speak. And remember that I adore you as much as I hope you adored this episode. Follow me at a squared Allen zero one. That's a S Q U A R E D A L L E N zero one on Instagram for more updates on this podcast and DM me if you want me to make a blog that will provide a list of resources to coincide with each episode. Also, stay tuned for next week's episode, which will be our first LGBTQA plus one to kick off Pride Month in June. So love you guys. Kisses. See you next week.